just tuned in to join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. And we're so honored that you would join us in the opening of God's Word. Today is going to be a marvelous day in the Word of God as Pam opens up the very pages that give us life and give us purpose. So let's join Pam now as she reveals the truth of the day. have been on an amazing journey. I can't believe that it's been seven weeks counting our introduction the first time that we came together uh, for this igniting Bible study, the igniting of God's fire in our life. And so what I want to do with the Lord's help, with heaven's help, is to tie all of this together and us to see what does this fire mean? Because it's not that physical fire like a forest fire, a fire in the fireplace, although it accomplishes a lot of the same thing. God himself compares it himself to a consuming fire, to the presence of God being this fire. So we know that God is trying to teach us something. We started with this fire in the very beginning. We have followed it through. We've jumped a little bit and we went all the way to the day of Pentecost So what does this mean for us and how can we tie it all together? I want you to write at the top of your note sheet in your book, or there's a place there for you, a soul on fire. What does a soul on fire for God look like? Because when we get into God's word later after the the life of Moses, we begin to see something called strange fire. Strange fire, a fire that's not of God. And we can see people today that claim they represent God or claim they have a message from God or they're serving God, they belong to God, they're speaking the truth. And we know that Jesus even warned about uh, the, the false teachers that would come in time and time again all through Scripture. We have these same warnings. So we know that there's strange fire, the fire that's not of God So how can we know the difference? Well, it's going back to the basis, having that foundation of what the fire is. And this is what I want us to do during our time together. The fire of God, when we open up God's word, this is what we see from beginning to end. It's God's story. It's God's story. And if you want to know your story, your story doesn't exist outside of God's story, what we call the Bible from beginning to end. It's God's story and you are part of his story. You are not his story. You're part of his story. And God tells us this wonderful story, but this story, God himself is a flame, it's a fire. And if we follow it through scripture all the way to the end, we learn that God has an amazing story that he's invited us to be a part of, that we're written into that story. If you want to understand your life, then you need to find how you fit into God's story. Where are you in that story? Because we're all there. We're all there because we all need to be redeemed. You are part of God's story. And so the fire of God, did you know the fire of God, it has a message because it has a story. Well, what do we learn? Number one, number one, and I have, I have a, a few points to give you. So um, Lord willing, we're going to get this done in our allotted time. But number one, 
this message of the flame, the fire of God, his presence. Number one, it is a declaration of God's love. It's a declaration of God's love. So the fire of God, if it's the fire of God, it's always going to declare the love of God. It is a declaration of God's love because we saw this and we're going to hit these places we've already been to, to, to tie it together. Genesis 1, 4, God said, let there be light. Let there be an igniting of me in the world. Let there be Jesus. Let there be this igniting of Jesus in the world. This was an act of God. We know that this light was Jesus. It was not the light, the sun or the moon or the stars. That came later, day four. But this light was Jesus because when we get over in the New Testament, we read John 1, 4, in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. And then in John 8, 12, Jesus again speaking says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. Let me ask you a question. I want you to make sure that you know the answer to this. When did God start loving you? When did God start loving you? I I had this thought the other day and it was as if a question prompted me within. When did God start loving you? And do you know the answer from God's word is he didn't. He didn't. You say, Pam, what do you mean? He didn't? When did God start loving me? And your answer is he didn't. Yes, he has always loved you. There's never been a starting point. Oh, God started loving me right there when I got my act together and I got in church. God started loving me right there when I surrendered that. God started loving me right there when I, when I denied myself and I gave all my worldly possessions away and, or when I forgave, uh, so and so right there. That's when God started loving me. When I stepped out in full-time ministry, when I decided to forsake all and go to the mission field, when I answered the call of God, that's when he started loving me. No, God has never started loving you. He has always loved you. That's the fire of God. So, So what is this message when I see and I think, oh, somebody's ignited with the fire of God. They will always, listen, have the love of God present. Jesus said, by this will the world know that you're my disciples, that this fire has ignited within you, that you belong to me, is that you have love for one another. So it's a declaration, this fire, this igniting is a declaration to the world of God's love. Listen, not just for you, but for them. God wants to love them through you with the love that he has loved you with. How if we could love one another as God has loved us, what a world that would be. What a world that would be. So number one, we can know that this igniting, this fire, we can recognize it by, does it declare God's love? Is it showing the love of God? Because if the love of God is not there, then it is not the fire of God. It's a strange God, a fire. It's a, it's a man-made fire. And you know, man can, man can make fire too. 
But how can we know? It's a declaration of God's love. Number two, as we travel through God's word, what's the next thing that we learn about this igniting the fire of heaven? Number two, it's a declaration of God's covenant. Do you remember that? It's a declaration of God's covenant. It's always going to hold to the boundary of covenant. It's always going to be bound to the covenant of God. Not to the covenant of man, not to the covenant of a, of, of a movement or a denomination. It's in covenant with God. So this fire, this igniting of God will always declare the covenant of God. And we learned this together a few weeks ago, a few lessons prior that God came down. And when we open up to Genesis 15, 18, we see this covenant that God made with Abraham. Now, the first time that we see covenant, the word covenant actually mentioned in Scripture is with Noah. But now we see that God comes down because the fire comes in. In Genesis 15, 18, on that day, do you remember Abraham was crying out to God and and God came down and he told him everything. He told him some things and he entered into this agreement. Abraham had already by faith left his, his, his home and the only land he'd ever known, his relatives, his father's house. And he followed God to a place he had no idea where he was going, let alone how to get there. And so he is all in with God at this point, it seems to be. He has followed God. He's given up a lot for God. And he's a, he, he believes in God. He has believed in God. And scripture tells us this. But then Abraham cries out and says, oh God, because God said, I'm, I'm going to give you and your descendants are going to have this land. And he says, but how will I know it? Abraham wanted his ending secured. How can I know the end of this? I I want my ending secure. And so when we get to Genesis 15, 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram or Abraham saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. And then again in Genesis 17, 4, as for me, behold, God said, my covenant is with you, Abraham, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. I thought he was the father of Israel. He is, but he's also the father of a multitude of nations. You said, even America? Yes, yes, because Jesus came through the line of Abraham because Israel was formed out of the life of Abraham, out of his son, Isaac. And he said, in you, listen, it's all, I've entered into this covenant, Abraham, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. In other words, many children will come into the kingdom of heaven. You will be father Abraham, not just to Israel, but with a multitude of nations. So this igniting within us is this same fire that God started in the beginning of time, but it's the same fire that entered into a covenant with man, a solemn binding agreement. You said, Pam, what does that mean for us? How would I know strange fire from God's fire? Because strange fire will not honor the covenant that God made with Abraham. If we are ignited for God in service, we're going to honor the covenant, listen, solemnly bound to God, to God's will, to God's way, to God's word. 
We don't up and run off. We're not back and forth. One day God has all of us, the next day he doesn't. We're not down here in a hole in a pit somewhere and we're just gonna leave God for a few days or a few years and just say, you know what, God, I'm just gonna go out and do my own thing and then I'm gonna come back. If someone is ignited for God, listen, they will honor, listen, the fire of God always honors covenant. It will always honor that covenant made with Abraham. It will always remember Israel as God's chosen people. It's going to honor that covenant that God made with Abraham. You see, if somebody tells me they're on fire for God, they're ignited for God, and they don't have a respect and a love and a heart for Israel, then that's not God's fire. Because God's fire honors this covenant that he made with Abraham. Number three, it's not only a declaration of God's love. If there's no love of God present, it's not the fire of God. But it also makes a declaration. It declares the covenant of God. But number three, it's a declaration of God's deliverance. It's a declaration of God's deliverance. And we see this when we come to Moses in that burning bush out in the middle of a desert. Exodus 3, 6 through 8, we're going to revisit it because we're building and we're weaving it all together. He said also, listen, to Moses at this burning bush. Now, do you remember when God came over here to Abraham, he says, Abraham, In that covenant, he said, I'm going to give this land to your descendants. Listen, to Israel. This land, this promised land, the land of Israel that God mapped out to Abraham, it rightfully belongs to Israel because God gave it to them. And so he makes this covenant and he said, now this is what's going to happen. They're going to be enslaved for 400 years, and but I'm going to deliver them all of this. God just laid out kind of the highlights of his people and what they were going to suffer with. And he says, but I'm going to deliver them and I'm going to bring them into the land. I'm making this solemn binding agreement to give it the promised land. He said, I'm going to make this agreement. So now this 400, this period in history that God's talking about way down the line after Abraham, after they've been in Prisoned, you know, for our in bondage for four years in Egypt. Now he sends a deliverer and he's Moses. He comes to Moses in the burning bush and he says, He said also, verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This fire speaking to you is that same fire. Spoke to Abraham. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. There was such a reverence for the presence of God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard, I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. I'm aware of what's going on. I'm aware of the struggles that they have. So I have come down. I've come down, listen, the fire. I've come down to deliver from the power of the Egyptians. Egypt is a picture of the world. I've come down to deliver them out of the world, out of their bondage, their afflictions, 
to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a picture of heaven for us, for the Christian. You see, that fire, when we're ignited with the fire of God, that fire of God is always going to declare God's deliverance. You don't belong to the world. God can deliver you out of that. You weren't meant to be in bondage, not to any person, not to any organization, not to any religion. You were not made to be in bondage to that. God came down. He's ignited this fire to free you from that and to bring you into heaven, into a free uh, place, a place of flowing with milk and honey. You see, if it's the igniting, if it's the fire of God, it's going to be so bold to declare freedom to those who are in bondage, those who are in darkness. It's not going to shrink back and hide in the shadows, afraid that it's not able, that God's not able to deliver. I remember the first time I went to Haiti, uh, we were with a group and I was still fairly young in the Lord. And, you know, not not too many years I'd been with the Lord, but this was my first mission trip. And um, we went with a little group from our church, some pastors, and I was just there to, to, to help with the children. And I did get to, to speak to the ladies while we were there on this first trip. And I remember the place we stayed was walled in and it had the barbed wire with the glass. And for any of you who've been in third world countries, you know that you'll see that. And it's for protection and there was an armed guard out there. But Haiti, is their, their national religion is voodoo. And so we saw a lot of the, the, the voodoo uh, shops and selling these voodoo dolls and, and how you can, you know, put these curses on people. And so there was a lot of um, demonic possession there. And so one night we had been out ministering and uh, we could see our, the level, the, the second level, which were our rooms were all on in this missionary house. And we had looked out, I'd gone out on this little balcony area, and they said, come see, because we heard this screaming, this horrible screaming out in the street. And this lady whose hair was so disheveled and her eyes just almost white looking against that, that dark, very dark black Haitian skin. And her, her dress, she had a dress, and it was just tattered and torn, and she was smeared with ash all up and down her body just covered in this ash. And she was rolling around out there in the streets and she was screaming and foaming at the mouth. And they said, she's a demoniac. And I'd never, I'd never witnessed that till that day. And I said, well, we need to go out there and pray and so God can deliver her. And one of the preachers said, oh, Sister Pam. You know, they love to call you Sister Sister Pam, we can't do that. I said, well, why not? Oh, we got to stay in here. It's not safe. You just don't know. You're so naive, he said. One of the preachers said, you're so naive. I said, I, I may be, but why can't we go out there? You're men of God. You're the pastors. Let's go out there. Can't If we all pray, can't, can't, can't you pray and ask Jesus to cast that demon out? Doesn't the power of God, isn't it housed within us? And I remember being so deflated because we weren't allowed to go out there. The preachers wouldn't have of it. The little team of pastors had been serving God, you know, for so many years. You see, if it's the fire of God, 
it will always declare deliverance. It's going to declare deliverance. You don't have to live in that bondage in that darkness. That demon doesn't have to have control of your life. Jesus has the power. This fire is him living within us. Power shall come upon you. Remember, we learned that the day of Pentecost when that fire comes down and it ignites within us. We have the power of heaven within us, living within us. Listen, it's not our power. It's heaven's power. It's his power. But if it's the true fire of God, it will never be satisfied to leave someone in bondage without telling them there's freedom. Now, not everyone will respond to the gospel. Not everyone will respond to the call of Jesus. I understand that. But we will declare freedom to the captives. We will declare that God opened blinded eyes. That's what the fire of God does. And it's not content to burn away hidden in a house, hidden in the walls of the church where we're safe The fire of God's not worried about safety. It's worried about a soul and eternity. You see, the fire of God will always, always declare God's deliverance because this is what the fire did when it came down to Moses. God is wanting us to recognize his fiery, consuming presence so we know it when we see it and we know it when we don't see it. Because God knew the strange fire is coming. There's a lot of strange fire today. A lot of strange fire in the religious world. How are we going to know the difference? See, this is why God has laid this out for you and for me, for his children, for us to know it. Number four, number four, it declares, we've seen this, it declares the way in the hour of darkness. Did you know that this fire ignited within the heart, the life of God's child, it will declare the way when it's so dark that we don't know the way to go. This fire exposes that way for us because we see this fire coming to Abraham. We see this fire in the bush with Moses declaring deliverance. So it's always going to be about covenant. We see that it started with the love of God. It was initiated by God. It declares God's love. It declares covenant. It declares deliverance but it also declares the way. What did Jesus say he was? I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. It's the way. And you say, Pam, where do we see that? If you trace the journeys of Israel in scripture, as you go through scripture, you find out that this fire was Jesus. It's always been Jesus, by the way, this angel of the Lord that led them. It was Jesus. And this fire at night, he said, I'll I'll be a cloud by day, but a pillar of fire by night. Listen to what Nehemiah tells us about this fire in rehearsing the faithfulness of God. Nehemiah 9, 12, and 19. Nehemiah 9, 12, and 19. And with a pillar of cloud, you led them by day, and with a pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. And again, in verse 19, the same chapter, if we drop down to 19, he says it again, you and your great compassion, you did not forsake them. You didn't forsake Israel in the wilderness. 
Now, this is an Israel that's already been delivered out of the world. They've already been brought out of their bondage. So God didn't, God didn't abandon them when he delivered them. He doesn't do that when we get saved. He doesn't do that when he delivers us out of the world. He said, the pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. You say, Pam, it's such dark times. I don't know the way to go. I don't understand what we're to do. How do I know? So this is why we so desperately need to have the igniting of God within us because the fire of God will always show us the way. This is the way. Walk ye in it. God refused to leave them in the dark without the fire of his presence to show them the way in which they were to go. God didn't abandon them after he saved them out of the world. I've seen so many struggle in the hour of salvation. In the hour of salvation, especially when we were doing mission work with the Japanese, it cost them everything to give their life to Jesus. I remember talking even to a a Jewish woman who had become a Christian, who had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as her Messiah, as her Lord and Savior. And her family were very devout Jews. And I remember her telling me, I said, I want to know your story. How did you come to know Jesus? I, I want to know what did that for you as a devout Jew? What brought you to that place and what removed the veil from your eyes? And so as she was telling me her story, she said, Pam, when I went to tell my, my mom and my dad, she said, I had, I had gone back home to Israel. And she said, and when I told them about my salvation experience, she had come to the States and someone had poured into her life. And she said, when I went to tell them, she said, my mother, my, my father tore his clothes and went out of the house. She said, and my mother looked at me and said, I should have killed you when you were born. I should have killed you when you were born. The Japanese people experienced the same thing because it's so so steeped in tradition and, and, and to turn to anything else outside of that is like a rejection or an abandonment of family. And I remember this Jewish lady telling me, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, what, what, what should I do? And I want to honor my parents, but how do I do that? I don't know the way, God. And she said, but you know, step by step, he would show me. You know what God does? This is what God does. Whatever the step is, and I've learned this about him, whatever step that, that I'm having to make, he puts just enough light right there so I can see. He may not light up the whole trail. He usually doesn't. But he puts just enough light on the one step I've got to take for that day, for that moment. That's what this true igniting will do in our life. It will declare the way in which we're to go in the hour of darkness. If darkness descends across any land, any people, any nation, city, country, if it descends there, even on your family. Do you know you don't have to worry about the way? What should we do? Because that igniting of God within the fire of God, the presence of Jesus will show us the way. He never abandons us. 
when he delivers us, when he brings us to salvation. The poor Japanese, the sweet little uh, lives that God allowed us to, to minister to and to bring to help be a guide into the kingdom of heaven through salvation. They were always worried that God would abandon them once they gave their life. But what if I give my life to God and I lose everything? I'm going to lose everything because of this decision. What will I do? And do you know how reassuring that the fire, the igniting within me can tell someone else, oh, he's not going to leave you. He's going to show you that one step. Each time you don't know what to do, he's going to show you. That's what this fire of God will do. It always declares the way in the hour of darkness. It never leaves us. The light never goes out. Number five, number five, number five. It declares God's worship. It declares this fire, this igniting, if it's taken place, it will declare the worship of God for all who come into contact with us. You say, Pam, how does it do that? This is the beautiful thing. As we travel and we follow this fire, we see God said, let there be light. He ignited it. It came to Abraham. It came uh, to Moses. It, 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 you know, calls out for that deliverance. It followed them through the wilderness. But then when they get to the place where they build the tabernacle, because God immediately said, we're going to build a tabernacle. And later the tabernacle is just a portable temple till they built the temple, till Solomon built the temple. And that tabernacle, and even in the temple, that light on the altar, the fire burning on the altar, God told his people this in Leviticus 6.13, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. The fire is never to go out. And he goes on to tell them day and night, the fire is never to go out. The day that they they finished that temple, they finished that tabernacle, they went in and when they lit that eternal flame in there, because that that was the house where they would uh, atone for the sins and the high priest would go in and it's where God would meet with man and worship would take place. So the minute that they lit that flame in that house, that temple... That tabernacle, God's house, do you know what that declared to the outside world? Worship takes place right here. We belong to a holy God. He has our worship. Do you know one of the quickest ways to identify if someone does not have that fire of God burning within them, their worship's being given to every other thing but God? Say, could they belong to God? Oh, yes. They've belonged to God, but, but somehow, you know, that igniting, that flame has either been covered or, 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 or put out within their own life, or they've never had that igniting, but they give their self, their worships to their money, to their position, to their dream, to their talent, to material things, to vanity of their body or their looks, their following how many likes on Facebook, how many followings I can get on Facebook, vanity chasing all of those things. Do you know, but when the true fire of God burns within another, it will always cry out and point to the worship of God, never to self. 
It will never be about building a following of self. It will never be about the accolades of people. It will always point to the worship of God. So this fire will always cry out and point to the worship of God. You say, Pam, I listen to certain people on TV or I follow so-and-so. Who's getting the worship? Are they building a following of themselves? Are they putting the spotlight on talent? Are they putting the spotlight on truth of God, the holiness of God, the reverence of God, who God is? That's how you know, is it, is it a man-made fire? Is it strange fire or is it the fire of God? Because there's a lot of counterfeits out there today and we better know what fire we're looking at. So it declares the way in the hour of darkness. It declares deliverance. It declares God's covenant. It declares God's love. It declares God's worship. And lastly, number six, it declares occupancy. It declares occupancy. You say, Pam, how does it do that? We go back where we were last week to the day of Pentecost. Remember in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and they were gathered together. Jesus has said, you better wait till that igniting takes place. You've received the Holy Spirit, but I got to ignite what's already within you. And that igniting took place. And we know that suddenly there was a noise from heaven, verse 2, and, and, and the whole house, a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were hiding. See, God never saved us to hide, to be in the shadows, to worship in our home and not take his worship out into the world. He never intended that for us. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves and resting on each one of them. It declares occupancy. It declares occupancy. (coughs) Excuse me. You say, Pam, how did it declare occupancy? Well, on the day of Pentecost, remember the temple over here, the flame was never to go out. Now this temple, this tabernacle, was made and built by human hands. Well, when Jesus came, Jesus came so the fire could find a new place to lodge. Not a temple built with the hands of man, but a temple built with the hands of God. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. I have read this most of my Christian life many times over, and to put it together with the fire of God is a beautiful picture. Paul says, do you not know that your body is the temple of God? That the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What's he saying? There's, we don't need a temple built by man anymore. You're the temple. You're the temple. You're the temple. You're the housing of God's presence now. You say, okay, so what does that mean? That means that God is going to take that flame, that fire that is lit at the altar that was in that temple in the Old Testament. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he's going to want to light that in you and through the Holy Spirit, that altar right there. You now house the flame, the holy flame of God. And it stands true still because the truth of the fire of God never changes. That fire is never to go out. 
it's never to go out. Night or day, in the daytime of our lives, in the nighttime of our lives, that fire has never to, is never to go out. Paul said, you've been bought with a price. Do you know what that means? There has been a price put on that flame. It has been very costly for heaven to be able to put that flame within you now to house it in flesh and blood, the presence of the living God. It's been chasing you since the very beginning and now finally because of the work of Calvary and you receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God can now light and put that that fire within you. You can become the house, the temple of the holy fire of God. And he says, but it's to never go out day or night. You're to tend it. It was a journey to get that flame to you. It was a journey to get that flame to you. Do you remember the day that you accepted Jesus as your Savior? That was the day that that flame called from that bush to you. Like Moses, we weren't looking for it. Came to us, called to us wanting to house itself within us, becoming a portable tabernacle for God, carrying the flame, the consuming fire of God. Do you know what the consuming fire of God says all day long to us? This is his house. It isn't yours. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. This is his place of worship. It declares to the world when they look at our life, his worship takes place right here. Only his worship. No one else's. Do you know if we allow another worship to take place, it will be just like when the pagans took over and took uh, the temple and they brought in strange fire and they put it on the altar. They brought in pagan worship and they defiled the temple of God. You defile the temple of God every time you give your worship to another if you belong to Jesus. Because the holy fire, God is a consuming fire. So now we see that the flame is now living within the soul of man. So Pam, what do we need to remember? The message of the flame has never changed. It's never changed. It declares God's love. It declares covenant. It declares deliverance. It declares worship. It declares the way to go. That fire is going to be ministering as ministers of flames of fire. For God, for heaven. See, the day that you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, something happened. The Holy Spirit came in to take up residency. And God said, I'm going to ignite a fire right here in you. And this fire is going to have a message. Remember with me, we learned this towards our beginning, that the fire is not a thing. It's an event. It's an occurrence. It tells the world that something right here has taken place. Something right here. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise and shine, he says. Your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. What's he saying? He lit a fire in you. He lit a fire in you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness all the people, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, God says to his people, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Do you know how we could translate that? To the brightness of your burn. To the brightness of your burn. 
ignited that fire. This is what I know. This fire tells a story. God tells a story. And when we see all the different fires of the earth in people's lives, they're passionate about different things, and they seem to be on fire for this or for that. And you say, Pam, how do I, what do I do? This is what I can tell you from God's word. If it is not part of God's story, if it's not part of God's story, then it is outside the realm of truth. If it is not part of God's story, as we follow it through scripture, then it's outside the realm of truth. Do you know what it was said about John the Baptist in John 5, 35? He was the lamp that was burning and he was shining and you were willing to rejoice in his light. Do you know we burn for heaven? We must shape our lives by the story of God's salvation. We must shape our lives by his story, the story of his salvation of us and lighting that fire within us. Jesus said on his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. And then he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify God, your Father, who is in heaven. And this fire that was lit in you the day you came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he said, it is not to go out. That day that the Holy Spirit came in you and you said, God, set me on fire for you and he set your life ablaze. Jesus said, be dressed in readiness in Luke 12. And keep your lamps lit. This is what I know is God, even the the apostles, had to be careful of this. We need to make sure we remain humble enough to stay within the story that God gives us. We have to remain humble enough to stay within this grand, big, beautiful story that God gives us. And not to be our own burning fire for ourselves or burning for other things. We have to remain humble enough to stay within the storyline that he gives us and to burn solely for him. Jesus said, he told a parable about ten virgins. They had lamps and five of them were ready and five of them weren't. Jesus said, when I come, and I am coming, Will I see your lamps burning for me? It's where we began this story at. You see, the heart of Jesus, we'll go back to it. He said, I came to cast fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. How I wish that it were already kindled. You say, Pam, what can I, what does this mean to me from here on out? It means that we have to do some soul searching. Have we allowed God to ignite what's already within us? Has our fire been doused or has it been covered up, put under a table, hidden in a back room? Or have we put it on a lampstand to give light to all who enter into our lives? Have we taken it outside the walls of our home, unashamed to declare and to live for the covenant of God? That's why our fire burns. To declare the, the deliverance of God. The love of God, 
the way of God and not the way of the world? Have we declared that worship takes place right here and I'm I'm unashamed of it? I will let it burn all the brighter as darkness comes. This is what I know. The darker the times, the darker the times, you can be burning so bright for heaven and no one notice, no one see it, no one be attracted to the light, to the fire burning within your life. But you let dark times settle in, either over your life personally or across the land and the world that we live in. We are living in very dark times. Do you know that the light burning within you, even a light in our own home, we don't see the light in the daytime? I can come through my living room and I've got these sconce lights on the walls and if I forget to turn them down, when the light comes up and it's bright and the sun's coming through the window, I don't even notice that they're on. But you let let nighttime fall and all of a sudden those lights are brighter than they've ever been. This is the time to allow God to ignite the fire of heaven within your own life and say, God, I want to burn out for you. To have that all-in moment, I'm all-in, God. Burn away. You see, God's looking for a wick upon which he can burn. And in that burn, draw many to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Have you enjoyed the journey? I hope you have. I'm going to be praying for you as you seek for God to ignite the fire of the hope that's already lodged within you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this journey. We give you all the glory. Have your way in every life at the sound of my voice. And may they search their hearts if they need a fresh igniting of faith from you. God, would you fan their flame? Would you bring about some friction? Would you spark a flame within them and burn brightly until you call them home? We thank you for this precious time together, this journey together. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Join the Word with beloved Bible teacher and author Pam Jenkins. Here at JBOP Ministries, we're so honored that you would join us for the reading of God's Word. We pray that today's message has been an encouragement to your soul. Join us next time for Join the Word with Pam Jenkins. God bless y'all.